Hello, and welcome to Healthy Bites, an all-encompassing podcast about your health from the Audrain County Health Department. Each week, we hope the information you hear on this show from a variety of experts in Audrain County, the state of Missouri, and the world will positively impact your health and your health decisions. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to give us a listen. Now, on with the show with your host, Chris Newbra. Thanks and welcome to another edition of the Healthy Bites podcast here at the Audrain County Health Department. Special guest today, he's a fan uh, he's a fan favorite and he's also been on the show many times already and that would be Eric Aldrich, uh, former KOMU meteorologist and now uh, professor of meteorology at the University of Missouri. Eric, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on today. Not a problem at all. We uh, kind of wanted to, to kind of specialize today and talk about farm weather. Weather and farming, I guess, is a better way to put it. And my first question, I know podcasters are going to, you know, that are listening, they're going to go, why is he asking that question? It's the stupidest question in the world. But it's a basic question just to get us going. How does weather affect farming? Right. So not a stupid question. In fact, <laughs> that's that's really um, how I got my start in atmospheric science. So I really? come from, yeah, I come from a farming background. We have a large family farm over in uh, West Central Illinois. Some of your listeners may be familiar with Carrollton, Illinois. Yeah, um, it's not very far from the Audrain County area. In fact, probably as 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 the the crow flies. 50, 45 miles just east it's, of there. But is it in Pike County, Illinois? Is that uh, Green County, Illinois? Green County. Okay. Yep. Very good. Yep, Very good. Is, it's on the other side of, of uh, Pike. Right. Yeah. It's but, over by Pittsfield in that area. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just yep. southeast of Pittsfield. Yep. And, um, but so as as a young boy that 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 experienced a lot of farm life, you know, family members and and whatnot that that had large farms, um, weather was of utmost utmost importance. And sure, um, you know, it, it was it was ingrained early on that you know agriculture and weather go hand in hand, and that that is so true. That's in part one of the reasons why the Mizzou Atmospheric Science Program is part of the College of Agriculture, Food, and Natural Resources, and um, you know, I, I come into contact with people every single day and explain to them the importance of agriculture and meteorology. Mm. Uh, and the two just go hand in hand because with without a, a solid foundation and a weather forecast, the job of the American farmer is is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when, when you think about farmers, um, they, they, they depend on the weather. It, it depends on the weather really. Um, and so, sure. yeah, so for, for them to have an, an accurate weather forecast and then be able to relate a drought versus flooding versus, um, cold temperatures or extremely hot temperatures, that that's, that's what they need. That's their livelihood there. So it, it's extremely important. Yeah, I guess I, I don't feel so bad anymore asking that question. No. <laughs> I, 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 I will always say there's no such thing as a stupid question. Right. So. I, I go by that, too. But you know, sometimes you just feel stupid asking that kind of question. But anyway, <laughs> but, uh, so you say the farming you know, depends on weather. Does weather depend on farming? <laughs> Next question. No. I'm just- <laughs> <laughs> um. 
You know, that's I, I've 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 thought about this a little bit, quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's, let's let's talk about what happened back in in August. Remember, in, in August of this year, where mm-hmm. it was so incredibly hot, but it was also so incredibly humid. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, and it was not uncommon uh, for there to be places up in Iowa and parts of Nebraska where. The air temperature was 95. I'm just going to make these numbers up. Sure. Okay. So 95 degrees was the temperature. The dew point temperature was 84, and that yielded a heat index temperature of 137 degrees. Yep. Right. Um, and we had some of those down here too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so what what happens? Uh, again, I'm, I'm I promise I'm answering your question. I know. Uh, <laughs> but what what happens is that corn is one of the more prolific releasers of moisture into the atmosphere. And that's a a process that we call evapotranspiration. That's when any plant releases moisture into the atmosphere. Um, But corn, it releases more moisture than anything else. And we we refer to this as corn sweat. Mm. Many, many farmers have probably heard that terminology before. Sure. And so when you have hundreds of acres of corn and it releases that moisture into the atmosphere, that's one of the components that you need in order to have severe weather, heat and moisture, along with some others. Um, But it's because of the close proximity to large cornfields. When it gets really hot, it gets more humid and your heat index just goes through the roof. And that was experienced uh, a handful of times this summer, but more notably in, I think, mid to late August, uh, where there were locations in Iowa where they had heat index values of 130, 135, 137 degrees. That's just uh, incredible. Right. So, you know, most of the time it's weather that impacts agriculture. But to get back to your original question you asked me 37 minutes ago, um, <laughs> that agriculture can impact meteorology as well. And that's one of the, the more high profile instances, I think. There. Well, and, and that, that corn sweat you talk about, that's that can be dangerous to humans as well. You don't want to walk out in the middle of a cornfield that, that's that's maturing nope. because it'll kill you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and. Uh, you know, that that's what in part made this this latest heat wave just so deadly because, you know, it, it's not uncommon for us to have a high temperature of 100 degrees or 105 degrees. But what is somewhat uncommon is for us to have a temperature of 105 and then a dew point temperature in the 80s, which is a measure of how much moisture you have in the atmosphere. And mm-hmm. then you have a heat index of 130 something and y- your body cannot react well to that. And right. uh, even 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 a, a very young, healthy, vibrant person, you, you you introduce their body to that type of atmospheric environment and it, it goes south pretty quickly. Talk about that a little bit, working on the farm. It's just, I'm just sitting here spitballing a little bit. Uh, and you're you're working on the farm, you're you're out in the heat and you're out in the cold. Talk about precautions you need to take. I mean, are, are are they are there extra precautions you need to take other than what we tell normal residents that live in you know live in towns and stuff like that? Are there extra things that you need to do as a farmer to make sure that you stay healthy? Right. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, the the I think some some of the obvious um, takeaways there would be to to, to stay hydrated, and even even when it's really cold, it sounds odd, but um, your your body needs so much 
um, moisture. It, it, it needs so much liquid, um, even when it's five degrees and when it's 95 degrees. So, you know, the, the, the stay hydrated thing, that is super important, especially in the winter. And I think a lot of times we kind of forget about that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, chief, chief among them, stay, stay hydrated. Um, you know, other things would be to dress in layers and even in the summer, it's okay to dress in layers in the summer. There's many mornings where, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to to wear maybe a long sleeve shirt. Um, but if, if it's light and breathe, breathable, that is something else that can keep you safe during the hot summer sun. So you don't get a sunburn or skin cancer and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've been working in my own yard, wearing a very light, breathable, long sleeve shirt. Um, because, you know, I, I, I want to protect my skin and from, from sunburn and, 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 and everything else like that. Um, you know, there, there's a whole whole bunch of other ideas here. You know, it's monitor the weather, work outside when it's more conducive to being outside. You know, mm-hmm. is, is it really wise to mow your yard or or work animals at three o'clock on on a August afternoon? Probably mm-hmm. not. You know, schedule that for for earlier on eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning. Um, winter weather as well. You know, we're 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 knocking on that door slowly, but winter will be here before you know it. I know I hate that word. I, I do too. I'm not a big fan of winter. Um, but there's there's certain things that you you can do. Uh, you know, don't um, you know don't don't water your or you know go try try to stay out of the elements as 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 best you can. You know, maybe working cattle at two or three o'clock on a on a winter afternoon is certainly better than seven or eight o'clock in the morning. So right. Some, right. some some ideas there yeah you, you, and, and besides keeping yourself uh safe from what weather can do to you if you're an animal farmer you got to watch out for that as well you know i'm thinking like wind breaks you know uh, obviously you, you can't bring those animals indoors but you can <laughs> you can get a very simple wind break at any farm and home store um mfa you know this is not a paid endorsement or, no. advertisement <laughs> or anything like that but nope. Um, yeah, and, and place, place those, you know, to the west and to the northwest of where those animals are going to be. And, uh, you know, just as much as you don't like to be outside when you have a, a air temperature of 20 and a wind from the northwest at, <laughs> at 45 miles per hour, guess what? Your your animals don't like that either. And so any, anything you can do to, you know, provide them with extra hay for warmth and some shelter and, and, and whatnot. That's, and then that's they need, you need to keep them hydrated as well. I mean, because what? wintertime water freezes up you got to make sure those are are free flowing so absolutely absolutely yeah okay let's talk about weather and its effect on the crops lots of uh of of debate i guess you could say uh talking about the proper time to plant um is there an ideal time to plant is there an ideal time to harvest Uh, you know and weather drives this, doesn't it? Yep, a- a- absolutely. So um, we 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 have a, a, a thing, um, a, a term that we use in agriculture and in atmospheric science called a growing degree day. I don't know if if, if you've heard about that before, but I have not. A, a growing degree day is a a system of measurement that talks about the maturity of your crops as it relates to the temperature. So let me, okay. let me put things in, into perspective here and we're going to pick on corn. Okay. <laughs> corn 
corn has a germination temperature uh, of, of roughly 50, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, meaning that if, if, I, if I take a, a corn seed and I put it into the ground and the soil temperature is less than 50 degrees, that seed is just going to sit there. It will not germinate. Uh, and so your soil temperatures have to be 50 degrees, 55 degrees in order for the moisture and the, the sunlight, the heat mm -hmm. to really get that seed to start to germinate and then it starts to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, soybeans would be, I think, somewhere in the 40 degree range. So in, in turn, most farmers are going to be able to plant their soybeans earlier in the season than corn, since soybeans will have a, a smaller germination temperature there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what happens is, is that there's a, a little formula, and I'm not going to bore everyone with that, but there's a, a, a formula that you can use to, to figure out what your growing degree day is. And typically corn is going to be harvested once you have somewhere about between 2,500 growing degree days and 2,900 growing degree days. So let's say that our high temperature is 84, our low temperature is 50. Okay. What okay. you do is you, you take the average temperatures for those days or for, for that one day. So 84 uh -huh. and 50, figure out what the average is there. Add them up. 65. Somewhere in there. And then you take you take 65 and you minus 50 from that. And that's a growing degree day number. And once once you've had once you've added up to about 2,500 to roughly 2,900 growing degree days, corn is typically ready to be harvested. Huh. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it's not trick knee science or anything like that. It's actually right. math and science. <laughs> right. And now, now I, I, I need need to point out, there's obviously other things that factor into when a farmer is going to harvest their sure. corn. Okay? Sure. Um, but that's that's a rough estimate, you know. So if, if you have a much cooler summer, then your growing degree days are going to be much smaller. And so maybe instead of harvesting your corn in, in September, you wait and do it late October, early November. Um, and I've, I've been up in Northeast Missouri, Western Illinois here over the last few weeks, and there's already farmers that have, are, uh, they've, they've completed their corn harvest for mm -hmm. 2023, mainly because they've already met their growing degree day number because it's been such a hot summer. Mm, okay. Um, and so, and, and relatively dry as well. So that, uh, that sounds like a number that, that farmers rely on a lot. I mean, as far sure. as, as far as when deciding when to, to. Uh, gear up for harvesting. Right. And, and it, once again, you know, there's other things that factor into that. Sure. The overall dryness percentage of, of, of corn, uh, that number is usually was it 13? 19, 20, 20%, I think is, 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 is a, an okay percentage where you can start to harvest your corn. But you wanted by 13% to heart to, to not to harvest, but to sell. I think that's uh, what it is. Right. Right. Yep. 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 So. Anyway. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, so that that leads to another thing is is that um you know weather affects being able to dry your corn out once you get it harvested and put it in the silo it it yep. definitely affects how that I guess my next question would be is okay you harvest all your all your your food sources your your corn your barley your wheat your your beans and the ground is just laying there how does weather affect the next growing season 
at the tail end of this growing season. Right. So even though you don't have any crops that are actively growing, right. Though you, you still need some, some farmers. Um, and this is kind of a, a, a high profile conversation, I guess. Some, some farmers will, will, will till their fields. Mm-hmm. Others, they go with the no till route. And, you know, that's just, you know, whatever best practice you decide to use, you do you there, but right. um, you know, once, once that ground becomes frozen, you cannot do any tillage work. You can't do any 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 field work there, and so it's really important uh, for for farmers once they harvest. You you still want temperatures, and especially soil temperatures, um, to to be above freezing, so they can go in there and they can apply whatever fertilizer, whatever nutrients they need, so that when the spring comes, you know they're they're ready to get in the field and start actively planting. And so, uh, you know, if if you have a situation where you're not harvesting your crops until early December or right. November, the, your your window of opportunity to get in there and work that ground and, and apply the nutrients to that soil, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so, um, yeah, you can't just let it lay on top of the ground. It's got to go in the ground. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, you, you can say the same thing in, in, in the spring, you know, I mean, if, if, if your soil is just frozen, there's, there's no sense in working it until the spring. And now you're, you're trying to beat the weather because you have the springtime storms and everything. And so you're trying to <laughs> apply all those nutrients and, and fertilizer and all, all that. And then, you know, try to get your seed in the ground. And uh, again, the, the weather plays a huge role there as well. So, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, the ground being frozen. Once you get those, those, those uh, nutrients and everything in there, if you do any of that work um, and, and the ground freezes over, does, does the, the ground have to stay frozen in order for those nutrients to work or do they lay dormant in there um, and, and, and then activate later or how does that work in relation to weather? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you I am no agronomist here. I we're we're getting in okay, <laughs> we're, okay. we're getting into scary territory. Here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't answer that. Okay. Uh, other other than the fact that um, you know once 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 your your soil once it's it's frozen, uh, there's there's not much you can you okay. can do. My, All right. My assumption. I don't, I don't, I hate to say that. I, yeah. I don't like that word, but my assumption would be that it would, it would be okay frozen in the ground. Um, and then, you know, when it thaws, maybe it, I, but I it activates know. maybe, but yeah, well, yeah. well, okay. No, 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 no big deal there. Um, as far as, uh, let's talk about severe weather and crops. Um, because I think the what, what is what is the biggest severe weather threat to crops here in Missouri? Is it hail or is it straight line wind? Straight line wind. Really? Straight line wind. Yep. Yep. And I, come? I say, because of the widespreadness of it. Yep. Yep. And you know the other thing too is the crops are especially early on. You know you 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 go let, let's say we we plant in early April or maybe mid mid April let's say okay okay, okay. um and. It's not until July, late late July, that those crops are really sturdy in in the ground. You know what I mean? And they're yep. they're they're mature and and everything. And so the root system um, is there to hold them in place. The stem, the stalk is there. It's it's mature and and yeah, vibrant. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And so any wind that 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 comes along early on. 
most crops are able to to with with withstand that. Um, at at that point, hail would be your 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 biggest threat there. Is that, that because they're not as tall because yep. of the wind? Yep. Okay. Um, I, I've I've seen I've seen corn that's that's four feet tall, three four feet tall, and the wind can just come through and it can blow it over, and it's going to be able to come right back on up. Oh wow. But, but here, here's the problem is that once once they get a, a, a very sturdy, um, mature root system, you could get a strong straight line wind. And if it breaks it off, mm-hmm. it's over. Um, really? Yeah. And so I, I've seen many a cornfield just demolished by straight line winds in July. Mm-hmm. Because the, the corn crop was snapped off. And once it's snapped off, it it's done. Okay, uh, but if if you don't have that that strong root system, you can. I, I've seen I've seen entire cornfields not flattened, but but leaning over in a significant mm-hmm. way that that corn crop will slowly start to come right back on up again. Oh, nice. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So, yeah. yeah. So straight straight line wind is is certainly a a big thing, yep. especially later on in the summer. Initially. Um, you know, when we're talking April, May, hail is going to be a, a pretty, pretty significant threat there. Does, is, is straight line wind just as bad on beans as it is on, on, uh, on, on corn or, or, um, beans are, are usually, uh, they, they fare a little bit better with, with straight line winds than corn. Okay. Um, but a, a lot of that also depends on their maturity and what, 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 what month we're in and where the bean, where the crops are maturity wise mm-hmm. in relation to that threat. As far as hail, what, uh, when do you, is it any hail or is it, is it a certain size hail that, that you need to be uh, cognizant of and, and worried about? Yeah. Any, uh, you know, um, hail that's larger than, than, than one inch is, is typically going to do a lot of damage there. Um you know, most, most things can, can survive penny sized hail. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, once you get into quarter sized hail or anything a little bit larger than that, it's, it's not, not looking all, all that great there. Good thing. It, it's not as prominent as, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't affect a large area like straight line wind does. Correct. Right. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yep. Okay. What about, um, sunlight? <laughs> how how does sunlight i mean i you know of course i know sunlight is essential to the growing process photosynthesis all that stuff that we learned in uh you know fifth grade science um but how does sunlight affect a crop these days is it is it is there a difference these days i mean you know because you talk about I, I guess where I'm going at with this is, is you talk about, you know, the ozone layer losing, uh, getting holes in it and stuff like that and more sunlight, more radiation coming in. Is that affecting crops more? Or are they seeing things in studies or do you know? Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, I have not heard of, of, of anything, you know, about the amount of um, incoming solar radiation. Um, I, I, I will tell you this though. Um and this is an advertisement um, for <laughs> for the Missouri Mesonet, um, and this this could be a whole topic in and of itself sometime. Chris. Yes, yes. Um, the Missouri Mesonet um, is a um, is it's a 
a network, if you will, of 40 different weather sites around the state of Missouri that are operated by the university um, extension. Right. And they will, you know, report temperature, dew point, wind speed, atmospheric pressure, all all sorts of things like that. Right. And um, but one of the things that they will measure is the incoming radiation, incoming solar radiation from the sun. And so you you can actually measure that. And all mm-hmm. of our our mesonet sites, they have that that instrument that will measure how much radiation is being received at the surface of the earth. Um, and so there's you know certain seasons. Um, that will that will be able to to um, absorb more of that energy from the sun than than others. Um, your soil type is going to have a, a big big play in that, and mm. how much um, incident radiation is being absorbed versus reflected, and 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 so on and so forth. So, right. um, soil type and the the type of crop that you plant is going to have a a, a a role, I guess. Um, in how the earth receives that radiation from the sun. Gotcha. Yeah, was, uh, there's two mesonet sites in Audrain County. Uh, one is actually termed out of Oz, but it's in southwestern Audrain County, and the other one's over by Vandalia. Okay, um, yeah. So yeah. so that's, uh, you know, I, I just looked it up here uh, while we were talking, and it's got, yeah, it's got hourly weather data, year-to-date data, evapotranspiration, which we talked about. Uh, yeah. It's got a historical archive, so it's got a lot of neat information that you, as a farmer, can use to help plan out your year. It looks like, right? Yeah, and so what, what I was talking about with that that solar radiation is it's just called solar radiation. Um, it's solar watts per square meter. Uh, okay, and it's, it's it's a map that's updated. Again, it's um, uh, it's just do a quick internet search for Missouri Mesonet, and and you'll find all all that information there. It's 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 interesting and. You know, you, you can also kind of use that map to see where where you have clouds and where you don't have clouds, and so that's <laughs> right, right. So, Eric, I I appreciate it. I I, sure. I, I, I this this has been fascinating. Uh, you know, as far as uh, just learning that you know how much weather affects agriculture and how much agriculture affects weather. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm always happy to talk about. <laughs> meteorology and agriculture again two two things that i am just super passionate about there you go well i appreciate you taking the time making the time to come visit us today yep absolutely that is eric aldrich he is an atmospheric scientist uh atmospheric professor of science atmospheric science professor let's put it that way is that right that's right all right there we go at the university of missouri and this is the healthy bites podcast here at the audrey county health department i'm your host christy raw thanks for joining us we'll talk to you again soon Thanks for listening to this edition of the Audrain County Health Department's Healthy Bites podcast. We hope you will join us again next week as we bring you more discussion on health matters affecting Audrain County residents and the world with your host, Chris Newbra. If you liked what you heard here, you can find out more information on our website, myachd.org. That's myachd.org. Thanks for listening. See you next week.